and welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. I'm Stephen McGregor. This is episode 43, The Daily Reset, now on sale. So my new book, The Daily Reset, is out today. I am exhausted. Or as I would say in Scotland, I am completely knackered. I am exhausted physically, but I think it's also emotional exhaustion. It seems like a, a long road on this one. I got involved in so many different aspects on such a deep level that I hadn't previously on, on previous book projects. And I think the emotional exhaustion also comes from the very personal nature of the book, you know, talking a lot about my experience over the past 18 months in the pandemic um, and surfacing a lot of that and, and indeed surfacing a lot of my my journey the past 20 years working in workplace well-being and, and, and my life, you know, some of the nudges, some of the 366 nudges in the book really go back to memories from a very a very young age. So I think that's taken a toll. I am excited that it's out, but I do feel very flat, I'm sure. I will re-energise as things happen in the coming weeks. There is so many different directions that we can take this book and this content, um, just getting my head around the different avenues and, and the people who have been in touch so far and, and the different inquiries about what we can do with the daily nudges. Um, you know, even the, the three-month beta test that we've been running um, on the content, which we sent out via email to uh, an invite-only audience. It was just received phenomenally well. Thank you so much for anyone who gave feedback on that. Um, and and so many requests on keeping that going as a as a subscription service. So we'll we're looking into that, and I and I think we'll probably do that starting first of January. That if you, of course, you can have the different versions of the book with the daily reset, but you can also sign up to the email distribution. So each day you get the content or the nudge for that day. And as I think I mentioned in episode forty two when we had the introduction to the book. We are talking to different organisations regarding pilots and how we can distribute the nudges to uh, a workforce and not necessarily in a, in a static sense or even following the order that is in the book, but just in terms of you know more of a dynamic delivery of nudging, perhaps related to uh, employee listening. And so that triggers a certain theme or a certain area. Uh, and then the, the employee or the individual would get that nudge that would help them hopefully at that, at that point. So what do we have today for you on Amazon worldwide? Uh, we have, or at least the plan was to have four different versions. We have the paperback, which is a fantastic red color. I'm really happy with the color cover design. And that is the original paperback. It's a kind of small mass market paperback that you can throw in a bag. There is still some space to write within that, you know, scribble in the margins but certainly in, on most pages, there is uh, space to write a couple of lines for that day, responding to the, the prompts of the nudge, answering the question, filling in the table, whatever it may be. So that's the paperback, which is available today on Amazon Worldwide. You've got the hardback, which is a black cover. It's a larger format, so it's quite, quite a big book hardback uh, with more space to write and with more visual guides. So there is dotted grids on each page to uh, serve as an additional visual aid and prompt to writing much more. So whereas the red paperback is more of 
mostly reading and scribbling some notes. The black uh, hardback is certainly about embracing your inner writer and your inner journaler. So, and, and even it could occupy a, a home uh, somewhere in your in your home uh, and, and it waits for you to maybe journal each day, whether that be in the morning or in the evening. That is not available today. <laughs> so teething problems, that is going to be a couple of weeks, but you can order it today uh, and it will arrive in a couple of weeks. We also have the Kindle version uh, and I think the additional benefit of the Kindle version, you have hyperlinks to all 366 daily nudges so you can easily navigate to whichever part of the daily reset you want to go to regarding the theme of interest at that time so you don't need to follow the, the chronological order of where you are in the year um, so that is available today and thanks to everyone who ordered that and pre-ordered the past few months and there is the audiobook which has additional audio commentary, which is not in the book, some reflections on some of the content um, that is narrated by me. Um, I thought about getting someone else to narrate it, but again, just with the personal nature of the content and the fact that I've been, you know, I've had the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast for a couple of years now, I enjoy recording audio content, then I thought the natural choice was to narrate the book myself and to share my own stories. That also is not available today, but it will be available very soon. It's just an extra couple of days in approvals and hopefully the end of this week or, or maybe next week. But keep an eye on the website of The Daily Reset, which is simply dailyreset.me, dailyreset.me, and you'll get all the links to all the formats on there. And we will also update that substantially in the coming weeks. When I recover and uh, when I get some time and working with the rest of the team here in Barcelona and worldwide indeed, you know, I've been so fortunate to work with a fantastic team over the years who live in different parts of the world and that has grown over the duration of this project of, of the Daily Reset. Uh, but please keep an eye on that, on that website. We will have extra resources. Um, you know, extra means even for you to engage with the content. We've got so many different ideas and, and there will be more on that uh, very soon. But getting to that team, again, just such a luxury to count on. Really talented, driven professionals who, you know, they don't need to be as involved as myself within this project, but it's as if... It, they have that pride as if it is their own work and that that's just truly humbling for me. Um, so huge thanks to Kerry Park, my editor, Jennifer Blaze, my fantastic typesetter in Toronto, Kerry Park, being based in Madrid, um, Ferran Broguera, fantastic cover designer and artist who's worked with us in the lab for the past 15 years. And of course, my super producer, Rob Fenn, who does an amazing job on this podcast for the last couple of years uh, and has been fantastic at producing the audiobook and all of the little touches and extra, um, you know, pieces of skill that is required from an audio engineer is makes the difference to that listening experience. So thanks to all those, that wonderful team. Thank you also to... Marshall Goldsmith, 
Jeff Gotthelf, Roberto De Bernardini, Tobias Haug, Howard Yu and Rory Simpson for their very careful review of the finished product and their very generous praise that we have shared in the different formats of the book. So thank you to all of these people. So it's been a journey. Um, I think I'd mentioned some of these aspects in the previous episode, but on a conceptual level, at least the Daily Reset had been in my head for a couple of years. Um, and even going back further, you know, when I first released Sustaining Executive Performance by with Financial Times Press in 2014, the follow-up idea was to release a type of field book, so a very interactive, uh, easy access uh, type book that might accompany that. So in a way, the Daily Reset has been around, in my head at least, for, for several years. But at least pen to paper only started early July of this year, 2021, which is part of my process. But I normally just have a very intense writing block. So produced those 64,000 words within eight weeks in July and August. But then a lot of the journey also has been in the post-production, the editing, the typesetting, and also the marketing. So if you follow um, me at all on social media, particularly via LinkedIn, we have a, a new LinkedIn newsletter, which has now 3,000 subscribers, which is fantastic to see just in, in, in a few weeks. And we've been sharing sample content from the Daily Reset via LinkedIn. And, and this newsletter will still continue, but maybe not every single week. Um, but it certainly will continue and, and, and trying to build that audience. And of course, you can sign up to the newsletter on dailyreset.me also. Um, so that's part of the journey. And, and, and yeah, but in many ways, it's just starting. I think my, my only regret, just thinking about the journey of this year, my only regret is that the normal episodes of Chief Wellbeing Officer haven't been uh, produced. So we've had the pleasure of talking to some really interesting guests the last couple of years, and that's been kind of put on hold um, as we've just been so busy with the project of the Daily Reset. But I think that just gives another fantastic opportunity to reboot. If, if you've listened to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast the past couple of years, it has gone through different iterations. And I think this next one, starting in 2022, will be another um, iteration and a new way of, of looking at the podcast that I'm very much looking forward to. So it's been a journey, and I think it's also symbolic. So um, in many ways, I've squeezed everything that I know and everything that I've learned and remember from not just 20 years working in workplace well-being, but going back much further in terms of my formative years, let's say, and a lot of my influences and in, in the reasons why I have the career that I have. I think a lot of the my experiences growing up in Motherwell and thinking about health and thinking about well-being and thinking about purpose um, with my immediate family and even the people that I saw in the town around me, it left a mark. And, and I think it's no accident that I work in the area that I work now and with the purpose that I have of trying to improve the health and well-being of as many people worldwide that I can. So it's been a journey and I, everything that I've learned and, and, and experienced is in this book, but it's also the start of a new journey, I think. And I'm hoping to share that news in January, but it will be a significant change in my own career um, 
in terms of what's next. And I just feel that this is the perfect door, the daily reset. And, and I talk about this actually in, in one of the nudges in early January. January takes its name from, I think it's the Roman god Janus, who's the, the god of of gates and doors. And and as Janus had two faces, one looking back to the, the previous year and a face looking back, looking forward to the to the present year. And I think in many ways the book is this for me. It's looking back and it's encapsulating everything that I've learned and been influenced by, but it's also the next stage for me um, about what's going to happen now. And that's going to be a new professional path for me that I hope we can confirm and just um, and communicate very soon in the next episode. So that's it from me. I think I'm going to go have a, a lie down now and please let me know what you think about The Daily Reset. I would love to hear from you. Drop me an email, contact me on social media, whatever it may be. Um, how are you using it? What do you think of the content? What are the ideas that really resonate with you? With What are the ideas that you don't agree with? What would you add? What is missing? All of that would be fantastic to hear. And what I'll leave you with now um, is a lot of the content from the month of December. The audiobook isn't quite available yet. It will be another couple of days, but very soon. But until that is available, we thought it would be a good idea to share the first half of the month of December. So today is the 6th of December. So you have from the 1st of December up to the 15th, it is the theme of community, which I think is a very important theme for us all these days and fits with this time of year. And and that's it from me. So as ever, thank you for listening. And until next time, keep well, have a fantastic holiday season and bye for now. Ciao. December. Community. What the hell is water? David Foster Wallace was an accomplished writer and university professor. In his commencement address to the 2005 class at Kenyon College, he opened with a story of two goldfish swimming along when one day they encounter another older fish swimming in the opposite direction. The older fish says, Morning boys, how's the water? The two younger fish then look at each other and say, What the hell is water? I use the story in many of my classes. On the simplest level, it highlights the power of awareness. There are countless stories of people dying who begin to see the world around them much more vividly. Don't wait till then. As we near the end of another year, it might be worthwhile to remember and appreciate the miracle of life and all that surrounds us. Maybe even say to ourselves, as Foster Wallace remarks at the end of his address, this is water. This is water. Well-being doesn't exist in isolation. Well-being is a journey that starts with the self, but involves others. Our families, co-workers, friends, neighbours, and really any and all beings, indeed every natural element with whom we share the planet Earth, are all, at some point, part of our journey. Many well-being models and definitions including those from the World Health Organization and OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, make this ecosystem explicit by highlighting the importance of social well-being. 
Wherever you are in your own well-being journey, how you connect with others will impact where you go and the speed at which you travel. Who is part of your well-being community? How will you connect with them today? Community cohesion. The work of academic Zunin and Myers on the emotional highs and lows that follow a natural disaster, such as an earthquake or tsunami, made a comeback during the pandemic. Their reflections show that most of the positive initial phases are supported by community. They describe an initial heroic phase, which is followed by a period of community cohesion. People come together to face the trauma, and this act shows the best of human nature. Think today about how your own community, at work, home, neighbourhood or social networks, may have rallied together in recent times. If that is not immediately apparent, think about any small signs of collective positivity that you can build on through your own actions. Hold close to a central idea. By building on the notions of community, what is the new reality that we can build together? World happiness in 2020. What do you think the results were of the World Happiness Report in the year everything changed? It's not as bad as you may think, because of community. A publication of the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network, powered by data from Gallup and Lloyds, the report is co-written by experts worldwide and has, since 2012, found the Nordic countries to be the happiest in the world. The 2020 report showed that trust and generosity helped us weather the storm. The pandemic provided the opportunity to see the kindness of other people. The material effects of the crisis were undoubted, including uncertainty around income, employment, health and social connection. Yet seeing the best of us rise up helped to offset this damage and inspire us to act. Look around you today to see the kindness of others. Connecting in a disconnected world. When I think back on those early weeks of the pandemic, I'm always surprised by the contrast in my social life. Like many other aspects of our lives today, socialising during lockdowns and pandemic restrictions was done via video and an endless stream of virtual coffees, happy hours, quizzes and family gatherings on Zoom. I actually heard from some people for the first time in years and I spoke to my mum on the most regular basis since I had moved to Spain in 2003. Restrictions are lessening, thankfully, but as we contemplate a future that may be disconnected on some levels forever, or at least subject to disruption and change, how can we stay connected? Note down on some paper your own experiences on staying in touch or getting back into touch with people throughout the pandemic. Are you still at it? What intentions to connect might you commit to going forward? How can I help? I know you're busy. At home, at work, in between. But try this and see how it goes. Ask someone if they need any help today. Volunteering and mental health. The pandemic gave rise to a volunteer army of millions around the world. Numerous studies show that volunteering results in better mental and physical health, 
life satisfaction, self-esteem, happiness, and lower levels of depression and psychological distress. From picking up groceries and other essentials from neighbours to donating to food banks and participating in vaccine trials, people felt good through doing good. More than 12 million people in the UK alone volunteered during 2020, one-third for the first time, and most planned to continue doing so. Business has seen the value of this movement, and many companies now offer their employees the freedom and flexibility to contribute to a cause, thereby energising them and convincing their best talent that they can find purpose while at work. Is there any aspect of volunteering that you can get involved in today? Put your hands together. As far as I'm aware, it started in Italy. It then became a nightly ritual soon after around my home in Barcelona. I was also very aware of the same nightly practice across the UK. I'm sure it happened in many other countries around the world too. The daily show of appreciation for the superheroes of healthcare during those first terrifying months of the pandemic served as a pressure release valve. The horrors of the day, as we saw images of intensive care units bursting at the seams, people gasping for breath, and healthcare workers woefully underprotected by a lack of personal protection equipment, were salved at night as we came together to applaud and make noise. How might you show appreciation for others today? Maybe it's just saying thank you. It makes a difference. Barrio. Barrio is the Spanish word for neighbourhood. Growing up in a small town in the west of Scotland, I remember a very close-knit community. Doors were always unlocked and neighbours would frequently pop in for a chat or a cup of tea. There was a summer fair in town every year. Is this just a feature of a bygone age or might we open up more to people around us? I love living in Barcelona and one of its distinct features as a city is the different neighbourhoods, from Gracia to Ajampla and Les Corts, which all have a unique personality. In fact, each place that I have lived previously has had its own set of features that make me feel at home. Studies show that our social well-being doesn't just depend on contact with close friends and family, but also the fleeting interactions with people in our daily lives. Maybe we don't always know their name, but the hello, goodbye, wave and other pleasantries to the lady at the school gates, the doorman, the man in the coffee shop, all make a difference to our well-being, as well as theirs. These interactions keep a community strong. Think about your own barrio today. Let yourself engage with it. The next global pandemic. The previous century's flu pandemic lasted until 1920, but there was a spike in suicides the following year in 1921. For many, just getting through the worst days of the pandemic took all their energy. As the world begins to put the pieces together again, much has been made of the fact that the dangers of stress, anxiety and depression could follow on the heels of COVID-19 as the next global pandemic. I believe loneliness might be the even bigger danger. Societal and demographic shifts over the past few decades have meant that this has been a growing danger. It has been well documented that an increasing amount of older people might go weeks without talking to another human being. The pandemic also gave rise to an increasing number of young adults 
who suffered from social isolation. I think there's an opportunity here. The anxiety that many will feel restarting their post-pandemic lives may allow them to empathise with those who have suffered from loneliness for a long time. Talking to them will facilitate a sense of distance from their own worries and perhaps help them realise things aren't as bad as they might think. Is there someone in your life, an older person perhaps, who might be lonely? Spending even a small amount of time with them or simply checking in with a phone call will do you both a world of good. The hunger and pain of social isolation. The pandemic highlighted the social nature and needs of all human beings. Research from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology found that we crave interactions in the same region of our brains that we crave food. A related study showed we experience social exclusion in the same region of our brain that we experience physical pain. Other research by the University of New South Wales found that, after periods of social isolation, the introduction of social interaction had the effect of reducing cravings for food and nicotine. We need each other, not just for overall well-being, but for good brain and behavioural health too. Connect to grow. Networking has long been a valuable part of a professional life. Maybe you think you're an accomplished networker, or maybe it's something that makes you feel uncomfortable. In any case, it comes with a variety of benefits, allowing us to learn, recognise our blind spots, and inspire us to action. Think about the following steps today. Reflect on your existing network first. Who are the people that have the biggest influence on your own thinking and development? Think on gaps you might want to address. What else are you curious or passionate about? What trends inside and outside of your own domain would you like to build knowledge in? Become a seeker. Connect with people who are the opposite to you. Find them within and outside of your organisation in your same and different functions. Think of varying levels of experience. Build new relationships. Be brave. Make an introduction. Not everyone, especially those external to your own company, will be receptive, but that doesn't matter. And finally, engage with your network on an ongoing basis. Have conversations with close relationships. Add to an online discussion or share a post with a more distant one. Become an active member of your community. The new Olympic motto. The delayed Tokyo 2020 Olympics were, all things considered, a success. As the delayed start date of the Games approached in late July of 2021, with the city of Tokyo still gripped within the worst effects of the COVID-19 virus, there was increasing pressure to cancel them altogether. The organisers persisted, safe in the belief, I think, that the world wanted to come together again. As many of us remained confined on some level, seeing any signs of togetherness was appealing. In the opening address, Thomas Bach, the International Olympic Committee president, shared the new Olympic motto, higher, faster, stronger, together. He talked about the unifying power of sport, but I think it's more than that. It's a powerful reminder that we become better versions of ourselves 
when we connect with others. The social network. When I first moved to Spain in 2003 at the age of 25, I lost contact with a good number of friends. Indeed, I've often reflected on the sacrifice I made in making the move. Your mid-twenties are, after all, a time in your life that is highly social and potentially a lot of fun. During those early years, as I moved from one temporary apartment to another, I'd go to an internet cafe to email. I used phone cards to phone home. Online newspapers and other news outlets were rudimentary. I felt the distance. I almost moved back home on a number of occasions. The big tech explosion helped significantly. Social networks and smartphones made me feel closer to home and today I enjoy a number of rich friendships with people I rarely see face to face. What I want to highlight here is the good in technology and social networks at a time when it is being lambasted from all sides. Yes, it has been designed to be highly exploitative and addictive, but with some practice you can get the best out of it. How can you do that exactly? It's not an easy question to answer, but it's worth trying. Maybe start by thinking about the positive attributes, for example the way it helps you connect with loved ones, and make full use of that. Big tech is changing. We've all experienced it. We check our phone or email or open a social media application. We get a micro dose of dopamine, the reward hormone, which plays a role in many forms of addiction. Big tech designers have played on the brain function associated with dopamine, with features such as notifications appearing after a short delay, likened by some as playing a slot machine, in order to maximise the brain's anticipation and levels of dopamine. The Centre for Humane Technology, a US-based think tank comprised of former big tech employees, believes we are in a race to the bottom of the brainstem to extract human attention. Their work focuses on actions to reverse human downgrading and help drive a new generation of humane technology that embraces human nature. I do see signs of change. It used to be that if the application was free, you were the product, and companies harvested your precious data to generate marketing insights that allowed them to make billions in revenue. Now, users are being empowered and new technology companies see that opportunity. In mid-2021, The Economist reported on the new rules of the creator economy, whereby content creators are starting to monetize what they do and what they create. Don't automatically give your data and content away for free today. Check for alternatives and let's create a more positive technology landscape together.